Okay, it's good to be here this morning, and it's good really to carry on with a series of free to be. Free to be because there's a lot of things that we need to be free from. If you go to Waitrose, you go to a section called free, free from. That is where you get gluten-free stuff. But here I'm not talking about being a gluten-free person. When I moved to this country, I was very excited, really, really excited. And I'm still excited. But there are a few things that hit me really hard and make, made me almost be despair and helplessness came, came in. And one of them was weather. <laughs> when I came in, Charlotte, my wife, then my girlfriend those days, she did quite a lot of orientations, giving me ideas and what works really well in the UK and what doesn't. One of the things that she didn't say is about something called sad. That is a seasonal affective disorder. She didn't tell me about that. And by that time, I was living in Nuneaton, in Midlands. And I was just feeling miserable. I was just feeling terrible. And, and I didn't know what to, do, what, to do, what to do with my life. Just sitting in my room feeling absolutely miserable. Start remembering home. The sunshine. I don't have to use the light that will give me some light so I can survive. I didn't have to use tablets to give me vitamin D. I just get the sunshine and then bright my day. And it's, what I'm trying to say is very easy to slip into disappear and feel miserable and hopeless. And several times, because I'm going to talk about hope, hopeful in a culture of despair, and the word disappear, I've been trying to practice this word so many times because English is my third language and despair and disappear come very close to my, to my mouth. <laughs> so I've been trying to practice. So sometimes you might hear me say disappear, just know that I'm talking about disappear. <laughs> um, it's really, as I've, as I've said, there's bad news, but I don't want to dwell or to stay in bad news because bad news, they're everywhere, and if you want to know about bad news, you always find them. We live in a culture where there's so much distrust. We live in a culture where consumerism is a big thing. Buy more, get more. Buy one, I'll give you extra one. Get more and half price and all these things. But at the end of the day, we find ourselves cluttered and unhappy because we are bombarded with commercial things that entice us to go and get more, get more, get more, collect more. We live in a world where secularism is trying to get rid of godly things, things that we cherish as a church. We feel these are our values as, as Christians. Nowadays, if you talk about being Christian, you look like you are old-fashioned, you know, I was 
when I, I went some few weeks ago, somebody asked me at work, oh, how was your weekend? That's what I, so I said, I was working one of the days in weekend, but the other day, I went to church, and you could just feel that awkwardness. Because when living in the world, if you say, I was in a church, it just feel, yeah, you are tired, you are, you, you are that kind of person. That's the culture we're living in. Culture of going after things that makes us happy. That's, the world, that's what the world tells us. If it makes you happy, go for it. Last year, I was watching this video of this guy. He has been in a really, really, really broken life. He has tried to do everything that could make him happy. The last thing he said, I'm going to shave off my, my hair and tattoo hold my head. And he did. That wasn't enough. He thought, maybe I'm tired of being a man. I'm going to change myself to be a woman. He did that. Because he's living in a very confusing culture. One of the things that struck me from that video when I was watching, he said one thing, because at the end of the day, that guy met Jesus. He said, what I was being told by people is, if it makes, if it makes you happy, go for it. And he said, I wished one thing, that there would be a person that told me that is not right. But he said, there was none to tell me I was wrong. Because people are too scared to say something because it will be politically incorrect. Because it will not work. Or you, we're just scared of offending people. Even if you see somebody is getting, is, is getting through hell, you're going to just let that person go because we want to be politically correct. Showing the best life on your social media. Follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook, but have nowhere to take you, though. <laughs> That's the world we're living in. Sad enough that we live in a place where if a teenager just put a makeup on her face and send a selfie and she didn't get enough likes, it's a problem. feel so down today because I don't have enough likes on the photo I put on social media. That's the world we're living in. Climate change, really scary. Feels like we are not going to see tomorrow. Feels like next year is not coming. I'm not saying climate change is not an issue in the world. It is. What I'm trying to say is that how do we stay hopeful in the world where everything we see is absolutely smashing our inner being of feeling hopeful? And in fact, in Genesis, the Bible is very clear that when God created man and woman, he asked them to look after the earth. So is Christian obligation to look after the earth? But what I'm trying to say again, do not let that get you. Just living miserable. Oh, don't know if next year it's going to happen because the world has started burning from Australia. It's coming to us. 
It's true there's a problem, but that should not hold us to the point of being despair and hopeless. Why we should not be despair? Can you read for us, Charlotte, please? From Matthew 6, 25 to 33. Let's hear what Jesus has to say about this. Matthew 6, 25 to 33. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Well read. Thank you very much. We have all those things, all those bad news that we hear day after day. And we see them and we just feel desperate. But what the word of God says about all this. Jesus, when he was speaking to his disciples, he knew what was going on in their hearts. These guys, they are worried because we follow this guy around. We go preach gospel with him. But what's going to happen? You know, he never had a house. We never, talk, we never heard him talking about mortgage. What's going to happen when, if anything happened? Then he decided to say, do not worry. And he gave them a really good, simple example. Just look at the birds. Just look at the flower in the field. If you are as posh as I am, you go to National Trust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's when a black boy from Tanzania become a posh guy. <laughs> you go to those places, you look at the, the plants, how beautiful they are. They don't look worried, honestly. They don't look worried. You go there, look at the flowers. They're beautiful. But God says, if I can actually dress these flowers this way and look as beautiful as they look, how about you, the person I created by my own image? He looked at his disciples. It's like, mate, you're going to have to understand this. Look at the field. Look at the bird. They're free, flying, beautifully flying. They don't worry about tomorrow what grains they're going to eat. Because God provides for them. 
Then Jesus posed the question that, how about you? A person that God created in his own image. You are way, way more than those plants that we see in its beauty. You are way more than parrots that we see flying and looking beautiful. You're way more than that. And the Word of God made that very clear. So with all this reason we hear, there is a reason to, to be worried. But there's no reason to be worried as well. Because we are sons and daughters of the author of life. And when you think, just imagine this. Your father is the only one who can sustain life. It's a big, I don't think you're getting the way I get it. Your father, God, is the author of life. And here, through Jesus Christ, he's saying, do not be anxious. Do not be worried. We have assurance because we are secure in him. And he said, because Gentiles, meaning those who do not know the Lord, are the ones who are worried about that. They're worried about everything. You have three wardrobes, full of clothes and, and everything, but still, you feel like I don't have anything to wear. <laughs> because it's not good enough. And I think the church has to lead, has to be an example to lead. When I come back to climate change, the church has to lead. To lead in a sense that we have self-control, self-control of what we buy, self-control on how much we buy, self-control on how we do things. Amen. As a, as a Christian, and this I'm talking about from personal point of view, we take it or not take it, but I'm going to say it. If you think just one example of T-shirt from Primark. Yeah, I was talking about being a posh boy, but now I'm going to Primark. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of chemical that I used to make that T-shirt until you get it, the amount of things that make that T-shirt until you get it is a lot of things that goes on. And that contributes quite a lot on the climate change. But then you buy it, you wear it three times, you check it. We, by doing that, we can't really be an example. And I do believe that Christians, we need to be an example of looking after the earth as the Bible commanded us right at the beginning from the book of Genesis. It's those tiny, tiny, small things that we can tweak and make sure that we're actually leading as an example. Okay. Great news. We have great news because we are actually in Christ. We are in Christ. And the Bible says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy. He has given us new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from dead 
and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. God guides us. Yes, there are so many information that comes on our way. But at the end of the day, we lift our eyes and look up and say, God, I thank you because I know you got me. If we decided to look all the bad news, you just end up being in the room like when I was in my room feeling so sad because I was confused with this weather. But if you choose to look how much God has done in your life, in the church, in the community we're living in, it's so much powerful, it's so much bigger than the bad news that we see every day. Because the world is tuned to run after those bad news. If something great happened in London, they won't tell you that much of it. But if something bad happened in London, it will be all over the place. The Bible says in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Is it not amazing? That God knows you before even you were formed. He knew you. So when we, as a Christian, as people chosen by God, we don't pretend to be happy. Now pretending. They are difficult things, but there's a promise of Jesus being with you all the way. And I love the way Jesus himself is so honest. When he said in John chapter 16, 33, I have told you this so that you may, so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. This is our Lord setting an example because. If it's reject, rejection, he knows what does it mean to be rejected. He knows what it means to be neglected. You know, Jesus, when he was very little boy, he was left in the synagogue by his parents. If it was today's, you will be you will see in the, on the news that there was a child being neglected. He knows what to be neglected when you are just a tiny boy. He knows what it means to be rejected by the people you love. He knows what, what it means to be betrayed by the people that you put trust on. And he's the same Lord saying to not be anxious. But no, it doesn't promise that you'll be always happy. There will be some difficulties, but he will always be with you in there. We have the news of being in him, having that living hope through him. 
But we have the greatest news of all the time. That Jesus came to rescue the world. The world rejected him. Killed him. But he rose from the dead. And that is our greatest victory. But that was not enough. He will come again. He will come again. And as we read from Revelation, he will read for us. like a scroll that is being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and slave and free hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains calling to the mountains and rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand thank you the same Jesus that raised from dead, he will come again. And when this passage was written, was written to the churches that is mentioned in Revelation, to encourage them that it doesn't matter where you are at the moment, what you're going through at the moment. When Christ returns, he will return with power. And I love the way it says, the kings of the earth, the great ones, the generals, and rich, and the powerful ones, and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves. When he came with glory and power and awesomeness, that there's nothing where they are to be able to, 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 to stand before him, that is the Lord that we, hope, we, we put our hope into. That we are not just here as a being that we don't know where we're heading. And one of the things that really encouraged me is that knowing that we are not just here to dwell. We are just passing by. That there is a place where our Lord has been preparing for us. And he will return. But I just love the way Revelation describes him coming. Coming in a point where... Nothing will be able to stand before him. But those who confess him as a Lord and Savior. It is a hope that we have. And there is no other religion that can say that. There's no other religion which have this hope. And that's why I think Christians... We must be people that are happy. Not this washy, washy, wish, washy happy, happiness. The happiness that comes through uh, within us. Because we know that our Father is the author of life. We know that we are redeemed by precious blood of Jesus. Not only that, but we know that He is with us throughout 
Even though we might go through difficult times as it is, he will always be with us. One more thing. If you look at the church history, you always see church has never been in a place where it's all beautiful and quiet and there's no challenges. The church has always gone through tough time, hard time, the time where everything is against the church, but the church always thrived through. Why? Because it is not a man-made thing. It's God's idea. And there's no man that will stop it. There's no power that will stop it. There's no power that will remove that hope in us if we do understand it. We have seen so many movements start in the world, but after a while they died. But the church stays. And the church meant to be there to bring hope to the hopeless. Just look in London. Things like hospitals, St. Thomas, St. So-and-so, those were started by the people that they saw desperation, they saw hopelessness, they saw despair, and they say, we're going to do something about this. Because we have that hope. Dr. Sharp. What do you think he went to Congo for? He went to Congo because there was that burning hope in him. That he couldn't contain it himself and his family. That I feel there is something need to be done somewhere. This hope that I've received, I must take it somewhere else. And he did. We have something so precious, church, that we don't need to sit around with it. We need to shine the light out there. When the world is miserable, when the world is absolutely hopeless, is the time to stand and show that shining light of hope. And it doesn't take much. It takes one step to look at the person who is shrunk and sad and give two minutes to talk to that person. That's how it started to bring hope. Because Jesus showed that example. Statistics shows that average person in London and New York is bombarded by up to 5,000 advertisements a day. Buy that, buy that, buy that, get that, do that. But the choice that we make as Christians that make difference. Because we are not immune of those things that comes around us. But we choose to be self-controlled. We choose to portray that hope and true hope. We don't pretend that we are happy. 
But we know that Jesus has done it for us and has showed an example that we must show others. And that's what matters. My question to you this morning is that how do you respond to all this pressure comes from our surroundings? How do you respond to global warming as a Christian? As a person who you have mandated or been told by your father that is your duty to look after planet. What hope are you bringing to the world which is despairing? What hope are you bringing to a teenager somewhere feeling miserable because there's not enough likes on her or his Instagram? It sounds silly, but it's a very serious thing. My other question is, how do you respond when people just, just challenge you, your faith, secularism challenging your faith? When somebody asks you, what did you do on Sunday? I say, yeah. Uh, um, you can't say it clear because you feel that awkwardness. How do you respond to that? One thing I really appreciate working with a lot of Muslim colleagues is that has given me being so brave about my faith. Honestly, I realize these people are so proud of what they do. And that was a wake-up call for me. God, listen, you're going to bring hope here. What did you do on Sunday? I went to church, mate. Oh, and I embraced the awkwardness. After that, there's a little conversation starts. Oh, I didn't know that you go to church. Yeah, I do. Now you know. So... <laughs> What did you do in the church? <laughs> we went there to worship. But Christian, how do you, don't you find Christianity difficult? And I'm like, this is what I was looking for. Give me a chance to explain how I find it. And I had a very good talk with this guy from Morocco. He's told me, I find it difficult to believe the Bible was written by Paul. I said, no, the Bible wasn't written by Paul. Paul wrote some books, yes, but he didn't read, write the whole Bible. Those little things, opportunities to bring hope. So embrace those questions. How do you respond to climate change and the fear that's been chucked on us? How do you help somebody who you just see this person is going hard time? And how do you respond when, when the secularism trying to challenge what you believe in? And today we'll be praying on a few things. And I have wonderful people here. They will come and pray. And I really want us to pray as a church. We're going to pray 
and I'm, may I ask you to stand up and the band to come over. <coughs> and can I ask the people that they, I ask them to come and pray for these specific prayer points to come over. I have Denise, I have Sarah, and I have Merlin. And we're going to be praying for those who have known Christ here in the church, but they find it difficult to stay hopeful. And as I said earlier, it's very easy to slip into the trap of hopelessness and disappear. I must say, when I was preparing this sermon, there's just something happened and I felt so disqualified to stand in front of you to talk about what I'm talking about today. But then I was reminded that one day God used a donkey to talk to people. <laughs> and I, I woke up from where... You, you know, when you have just a moment, you feel like, oh, there, are so pe- there are so many people in the church, and they, they know so much more than I know. And then just Holy Spirit remind me, yeah, it's not about how much you know. It's about you being ready to be used by the author of life. He did use donkey to talk to people. And you are a little bit more than a donkey. So <laughs> okay, we're going to pray. For those who feel, find difficult to stay hopeful, either because there's so much going on in the family, there's so much going on in, the, in, in your work, there's so much going on around you. There are just things that you can't contain. You heard Brenda talking about how difficult things were, but she chose to give all to the Lord. We're also going to pray since we're in the prayer week, we're going to pray and we're going to be outward looking to pray for the hope out there in the culture of despair. Pray that community around us, hearts will be softened to know and accept Jesus and have that relationship with him and have that hope that never perish. And finally, we'll be praying for our young people who every day are bombarded with a lot of information. Some information are so confusing. We want to pray for them and say, Lord, you got our young people. These guys here, they have one and a half minute to pray for that. (laughs) And can I ask... um, needs to start. And church, let's just respond together. Yeah, Father, we thank you that you see our hearts. Mm. Lord, you see everything that's in our hearts. And like we sing that song, but you love us the same. Mm. God, nothing shocks you in our hearts. And I want to pray today for people who are in despair, that their hearts are really, you know, they put on a brave face, but really they're in despair whether it's debt, whether it's broken relationships, Mm. whether it's fear that's gripped their hearts, Lord. 
But God, you made us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. You made our hearts. You know how they work. Mm. And I want to pray for people today, Lord, to get the foundations right in their hearts. That you can then redo the foundations and today will be the day of change. That they can cry out to you and say, God, I've had enough. Because nothing shocks you. And I pray that they'll be able to, you come and, un, and get the foundations right, yes, that yes. we can then be these people who, the joy of the Lord is our strength, Amen. not the despair Amen. of the Lord. Lord, the despair of the Lord would just destroy us. And so we want the joy of the Lord. And I pray for people today who are feeling desperate and lonely and sad and broken and with sin in their hearts as well, that today's the day we can get Amen. come to you, God, and get the foundations right, that we can move on and be who you want us to be. And I really pray that today. Holy Spirit, will you point out to people who they are, that they can come and get prayer today. And we ask that in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Marlon. Yeah, Father, just thank you for times such as this. Father, you are here. And Father God, as we pray now, Lord God, we want to be those that have ears to hear and Father, we'd be those that are obedient. Father God, I just pray, Lord God, for, for your church, for us. We are your church, Lord God. I pray that you would just strengthen us when we go out there, Lord God, when we're in our office or if we're in a cottage setting or wherever we may be. But we'd be those that come with that word. Father God, give us a real boldness, Lord God. But we want to see your, we want to see the community affected father god it's, it starts with us lord god and i do thank you father thank you for your spirit that lives in us and we want to be those lord god that that make a difference and we will make a difference lord god because just as we heard this morning lord god you are here father and i know you have a plan for each and every one of us lord god despite what we go through you're with us lord god and father there's souls that need saving and you've called us to be those that bring that message, Lord God. So, Father, just, I just pray, Lord God, yeah, today will be a day that we determine before you that, that we would do as you've called us to do. We'd be those that put our hands to the plow. Father, it's a generation out there, Lord God, that need you, Lord God. And we are those that have that message. So, Lord God, we, we know you will continue to build your church. And Father God, I just thank you that you've called us to be men and women and young people of that. Father, bring revival, we pray. Bring revival. Amen. Yeah, Father God, I want to thank you for the youth in our church, Father God. I want to pray for every single one of them that they would know your hope in their hearts, Father God. I want to thank you that when I was a youth going through being a teenage mum. Father God, I thank you that you never left me. You never forsake, you never forsaken me. Mm. You stuck by me. And Father God, I thank you for that. I want to pray for all of them, whatever situations they find themselves in. Father God, I pray that they would never be crushed by despair, but I pray that they would always know your hope. I pray for us as a church, Father God, that we would get around them, you, Father God, that we would inspire them, that as iron sharpens iron, Father God, I pray that we would build relationships with them, Father God, that would keep them hopeful and keep us hopeful, Father God. And I want to pray that they would go out and that they would be a light, 
Father God, in a nation full of despair, Father God, that they would be able to go to their friends and that they would be able to shine a light into the despair in their lives, Father God. I pray that, and I pray for us parents, Father God. I pray against fear in the name of Jesus, Father God. I pray that not one of us would have to sit here fearful of where our kids are going to go and what they're going to get involved in and who they're going to be about. Father God, I pray that you would put a hope and a knowing in them of who you are that is so strong, Father God, that they will never, ever part from it. Father God, I pray for City Hope. I pray for this generation of youth, Father God. I pray that they would be better than any generation of youth that's ever come through City Hope. I pray that all of our children will be such a light, Father God, a light in them dark places. I pray that that would change now, Father God. I really pray that, Jesus. Change that now, that these kids would go out and they would see their friends saved, Father God, that families and communities would be changed, Father God. God, I pray that you would do that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much. And if you need more prayer, there will be people here. They will be happy to pray with you. And thank you very much for listening. God bless you.